This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with John Tesmer, Executive Director of IT at APQC, to talk about the people side of cyber risk. Thanks for hopping on the pod again, John. Hey, it's always fun. <laughs> we have a good time every time, don't we? We try. Uh, and this one is, is I think, particularly fun. Um, so when it comes to the people side of cyber risk, I think there's two main angles to consider. Um, first is how employees create cyber risk for their organization. And second is how organizations can create cyber risks for their employees. So I think let's start with the first one. Um, and John, could you tell us some of the ways that employees create IT security risks for their companies? By simply just existing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, the, 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 the surface area of an employee inside of an organization is massive. Uh, so if you just start with just the fact that employees want to get paid, right? People do work, and in exchange for that work, they get paid. Well, in order to pay somebody, you have to have their financial information. Uh, paying someone typically means you're also uh, responsible for paying taxes. So now you have their government identification numbers, uh, wherever they may be, whatever government it is, you have to understand that stuff. Um, uh, and then you have, you know, just their own personal information, you know, like what's their name, what's their gender, like, where do they live? What's their, you know, all that stuff. It all has to be sort of managed in order to effectively pay that person. Gender, probably not. I don't know why that came up, but yeah, you've got to have all this other kind of information about somebody in order to pay them. Um, the, that part of it creates a burden of, uh, responsibility on the employer to manage that information on behalf of the employee, right? So it creates this sort of like the, the employer now has to create this like wall around their systems that allow them to like protect that information uh, because that is valuable to outside parties in who have non, but not, not good intents, right? Bad intents. Um, and, and that's just the, the fact of the employee existing at the organization. Now, when the employee is doing the, the work of the organization, um, that employee basically has to have access to whatever systems, tools, and processes are required to do that work, which means that someone has to be uh, you know, entitled to access a particular system, uh, that give grants some access to information inside of that system, uh, et cetera. Now, at this point, um, we're depending on the employee to manage the access into that system, right? So in the first case I gave, it's the organization managing the employee's information, right? And that's, you know, the employees there and their information's there. The second case is it's the employee managing the employer's information. So I've got to, as an employee, manage and secure not only the access that I've been granted, but also the physical device I use to access it and the location I'm in when I'm accessing it and all these other things. So just Surely just existing creates a, a, a high burden for an organization and then you know, doing the mission of the organization creates even more burden. Uh, and that isn't even talking about all the human being mistakes that happen, just you know, people accidentally sending the file to the wrong person. Right. So much to think about. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. It happened to me this week. Somebody copied me on an email. I have a relatively common name, John, right? And I got copied on an email that I should not have been copied on. It came from a vendor of ours who was intended for one of their clients that's also named John. And fortunately, it was a rather benign email. But, you know, that kind of stuff happens all the time where people get emails that they shouldn't get. Right. Yeah. All those little technology things that are supposed to make our lives easier by kind of autofilling things, you know, can easily backfire. Yeah. Um, So I, this is, you know, I feel like these episodes with you should be called mercy asks like questions that could be answered with like a dissertation and expects like a (laughs) one minute answer. That's good or bad, Mercy. I'm sorry. I'll try and be more concise. (laughs) No, no, no. no, no. I'm just, I think I'm asking questions that are, are kind of huge and I'm about, about to do it again. And that's, um, what are the processes, policies, and tools that organizations should establish to prevent employees from creating cyber risk. And I know that this is probably an exhaustive list, but what are some of the, your top hits? Yeah. Top hits. Sure. So, so, I mean, I think you can kind of divide it into the the two buckets I mentioned earlier, right? So there's, you know, employee information um, that, that has to be managed by the organization and there are security constraints around that employee information. And, and that, that's a very big topic because a lot of, um, information classification schemes put employee information, really personal information in the highest classification. Like it is the most severe information that we have to manage. So, so those processes and policies and tools and procedures, there are many of them, but managing that information is, is critical. And, and it's all around, again, defense in depth, making sure that uh, the right people have access to the information, uh, protecting your systems from uh, compromise, et cetera. Now, on the other side of that wall, where it's employees that are managing the organization's information and the access to the organization's information, what we're talking about here is a a, a couple different layers. And again, defense in depth, which is sort of like the mantra here. the, 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 per, the people side of uh, access to systems is generally like, I have a username and I have a password. Uh, we have augmented that in, in the best practice around the world really is now this multi-factor authentication, right? It's not just who I am and what I know, but it's also something I have, something that only I would ever have. So it's my username, which is who I am, and what I know, which is my password, but then it's something I have, which is like a security token, or uh, I have my my phone in front of me, and it can pop up with a, a, a checkbox asking me to, you know, did you approve this? Are you really trying to sign in right now? Uh, so that's one of the most important practices for any organization that has employees accessing their information and content is that multi-factor authentication, uh, because that that really starts to kind of lock down uh, ingress into systems. Uh, beyond that, we start to look at things like vulnerability management and assessment uh, and you know, constant scanning of, uh, of uh, applications that are running on machines uh, to make sure that if an employee does make a mistake, we can quickly quarantine that machine uh, and limit the, dan- the danger or the risk or uh, you know, any kind of um, uh, issue that may happen there. Um, you know, and beyond that, there are typically policies in place that organizations implement to protect their information. So, for example, uh, let's say, Mercy, that you get a, an enticing email that says that you need to change your password. And you click that link in that email and you just typed in your password and you just compromised your account. Okay. Um, had we not established 
uh, multi-factor authentication, then that person would now have unfettered access to your account and all of the information that you have access to. Um, let's just say, for example, that their intent was not to exfiltrate, but to ransom. Uh, so now they've installed some software on your computer that has now spread to the server and all the other people in your office that has encrypted their drives. And now all of it's just, boop, there's a huge mistake. Okay, so the policies and procedures organizations put in place to protect that are around resiliency and quarantining and backups and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. Uh, a ransomware attacker is effectively cut off if the thing that they've ransomed is available outside of their control, right? So if someone has encrypted your your hard drive or whatever, and you have a copy of it unencrypted, then, okay, I've got it. Um, the bigger risk there is exfiltration and publication. So typically, this is now not just about, I can't access my information. This is now a matter of my client list is now available, and now I'm legally liable for that exfiltration of that data, uh, which gets into other policies and procedures around encrypting data and, and not storing client lists and easy to access places and limiting people's access to information they don't really need and all kinds of stuff. But I think, again, just to quickly summarize, you have this kind of inside and outside look at things. Um, and, and one of the key things I think that you should put in place, number one, don't pass go, multi-factor authentication, control your endpoints, know your assets, uh, protect your software, that kind of stuff. Right on. Um... Now I want to turn to the, the nasty bit. Um, <laughs> malicious insider attacks. I think this is so interesting. Um, they're a lot less common uh, than your other forms of, of cyber attacks. But, you know, employees have a lot more intel on how to harm a company and they have better pathways to do so. And uh, I looked up the stats on this and most of these malicious insider things happen 30 days before or after an employee um, you know, leaves the organization. So people do this, you know, as a uh, like last action on their way out the door. Um, so how should IT work with HR to prevent these folks from uh, exposing the organization to cyber risk? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I wanna focus on just one part of this, right? Uh, and I'll, I'll tie it back to process um, because it's such a critical part of what every organization does. You mentioned that uh, attacks happen 30 days before or after the employee's last day. And that is a really interesting observation because it shines a light on a process failure. The process failure is not hiring the right person. It's not making sure they have access to the systems while they're an employee. The process failure is offboarding. It's making sure that when an employee leaves, all access to their systems is terminated. All access to their equipment is terminated. The data that they have access to is no longer available to them. That is such a critical part of offboarding to protect organizations from these situations. People are going to be they're gonna make human mistakes and they might accidentally exfiltrate things. You could probably lump the impact of that into the same as somebody intentionally trying to harm, right? So it's whether it got out intentionally or accidentally, you still have to deal with it and the steps to deal with it are the same. You just now, if it got out because of an intentional thing, there's a different criminal aspect that you have to deal with, right? Now I gotta sue the guy that worked for me. Um, 
but the, the impact from an IT perspective is generally still the same. Like the information's out there. I got to deal with it. But you can limit the exposure if you make sure your onboarding process is correct, right? So the onboarding process makes sure that people have access to the right information they're supposed to have access. They have controls on what they're allowed to access and policies that limit their access to just what they need to know. And then on the outside, as people are leaving, make sure the offboarding process is in place and protects the organization's assets as people are out the door. Now, this is probably one of the most difficult processes in an entire organization. And you'll, you, you might joke with me that I'm not being serious, but I'm for real because this one process involves almost every single department in an organization, okay? Whether it's HR, finance, IT, logistics, basically any kind of uh, in and out supply chain type stuff if you're a goods organization. Um, if you have a physical location, it has access controls. Uh, you know, imagine if somebody left the organization and you didn't terminate their access card. And then 20 days after they left, they called and pretended to be themselves to get their access card back and the security guard didn't know they'd left yet. So now they have access to the building. Huge risk, huge risk. It's an offboarding problem and it crosses the entire organization and it's huge. It's difficult to deal with, lots and lots of stuff involved. I like that a lot because it, you know, I was thinking, oh, is there some way to like pinpoint the bad guys? And, you know, this kind of gets around that whole like, you know, impossible task. And also I wouldn't have thought of those little like key cards, you know, everybody yeah. uses that to get in and out of whatever building. And you don't, I, I wasn't thinking of that as part of like the IT environment. I just think of that as like a thing, but yeah. Yeah. come back and burn the whole place down <laughs> yeah not only that or just you know walk up to the conference room that you know somebody left the projector on or and there's the computer logged in yeah. and nope now i have access i'm you know I mean, it's just there's, there's again defense in depth right so it's you know there's these layers of protection but it can all be uh made moot if you just if the process fails right if something if one one little check fails then forget it Right on. Yes. Um, and so you talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, I'd like to hear some more about what organizations should do to keep their employee data safe and secure. And, and maybe um, any tips that they can give employees to let them know that maybe, you know, they might be getting hacked. Yeah, this is a so this actually happened uh, quite frequently during the pandemic. Um, there was a massive increase in uh, unemployment compensation claims that happened. Um, and, and what I'm going to explain is that there are multiple sort of facets to it uh, that, that you have to consider. So um, the, the, the basic premise was this. Somebody would pretend to be um, an individual that worked for, for company A, right? Uh, and, and they would basically file a, an unemployment claim with the local unemployment office for that person. Uh, and, and the way that they filed the claim was not because they had compromised the employer's system, but because the employee's information had been compromised through some other data breach. Uh, maybe their credit card got hacked, maybe their LinkedIn account got hacked, maybe whatever. And nefarious actors assembled that information, got enough information about somebody to present an unemployment claim. Well, then the unemployment claim comes to the company and the company basically has to say, no, these people are still here. Like, you know, here's all the information. 
uh, or here's you know the the background or here's whatever. Um, so in in the case of you know somebody thinking to myself thinking to themselves like oh my gosh my employer got hacked somebody's filing unemployment claims on my behalf that's not really something that happened because your employer got hacked it's because your information is out there but your employer is now involved in it like they're a party to this to this whole conversation uh and and they have to deal with this ram the ramifications of it because their unemployment um you know rates and insurance and stuff are based upon you know this exact thing not happening um, so the, the, there's nothing the employer could have done to protect the employee in that sense. It just literally happened because the person existed. Remember at the beginning, I said, one of the biggest problems for organizations is employees just exist. Well, it just happens, right? Um, beyond that, the, the information controls, the information controls that, that are in place to protect the organization's information also protect the employee's information inside of the organization. So if we have passwords and multi-factor authentication and we scan for vulnerabilities and we, we quarantine machines that have any inkling of a problem, we can, as an organization, start to protect that employee's information even more. Um, remember, most organizations classify employee information and personal information in the highest classification for security and for confidentiality. It is literally uh, among the most critical information that organizations manage. So in the old days, it was protected by locks and filing cabinets and locked rooms, and only two people had the key. In modern times, we're trying to get back to that level of security where it's very few people have access and very few people uh, need to see it. But, you know, it's, it's just very difficult because the information is literally everywhere. And a lot of times it's difficult to understand where did the breach come from? Was it the employer? Was it somebody in the public and the employer is now involved? Just there's a lot going on. Um, but again, the way around it is defense in depth, common sense, stay on your toes, protect your systems, that kind of stuff. Heck yeah. Yeah, thanks for explaining how um, that worked. I remember when that was like going around um, with the, the um, unemployment claims or whatever. Yeah. I didn't know how that worked and it was a no, big deal. We, you know, we, we got called in to kind of assess and sort of forensically look at things. And uh, it became very clear very quickly that we were not the source. And I'm not saying that we were affected by this, but in the organizations I've talked to that we were not the source of the, of the compromise. It was that the information had already been compromised, but, you know, we were being called in to assess it and, and investigate it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. My pleasure. It's always always fun to to rant on like a madman at security <laughs> things. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm Mercy Harper. Thank you for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day.